Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Religion is many things to many people. It has built and has destroyed ethnic groups and entire nations. Religion has played host to some of the most loving and some of the most destructive events in our world's history. Today we ask the question, when is religion the most dangerous? Here to help us answer that question is Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, what do we need to know? Well, religion is powerful. I think that's a given. And anything that's powerful can easily be misdirected. It can easily be uh, used by those with other agendas. And looking at the group versus the individual, a group hijacking of religion can be very uh, detrimental, dangerous, and abusive toward an individual. When you say a group hijacking of religion, what is it about religion that allows that, that not only allows it, but almost motivates it? What is it about religion that says, let's do this? Well, organized religion at the level of state or national religious entities, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a structure, a bureaucracy, very much like the state itself, and it has mechanisms of control. It has an ideology that it enforces or a theology. You know, I think you can make a very good argument, as we often do with religious liberty and as the application of religious freedom in the U.S. does, that what's more important is the individual conscience rather than than a religious structure. Mm-hmm. You know, when you come before a, a judge for religious accommodation in the U.S., they don't ask what your church believes. They ask, what are you under conviction to do? Mm-hmm. That's all that's necessary, and I think that's very good. But, you know, I'd like to look at history because there is a pattern. It's easily seen that religions are power for good and sometimes evil. Yeah. It's aiming to be a power for good, whether it's Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, or Zoroasterism, or whatever. But it's a plain fact of history that religion has been a handmaiden, at the very least, of some of the worst things in history. And I thought recently that there's a pattern that is worth looking at lately on recent history, not ancient history. But think of some of the nefarious regimes where civil power has united with uh, religious power or the the organized national religion. One that predates my life, <laughs> although I've read a lot about it, was the, uh, the Civil War in Spain, where uh, Generalissimo Franco, the Cordillo, or strongman of Spain, emerged and uh, ruled as an absolute dictator until well into my lifetime when he, in his old age and dotage, handed over power to King Juan Carlos. That was an amazing transfer. But until that point, he had been one of the worst dictators. And amazingly, his power was largely predicated on his alliance with the Roman Catholic Church. When you have someone like that, you talked about civil power and religious powers. Which one is the more aggressive? Which one is trying to absorb the other? Where does that begin? I think the church, it's not just Islamic fundamentalism that wants the global alliance or caliph. Christianity and others, the churches tend to want it too. The state, I think, is not as eager, but it will join with the church if it sees an advantage. Mm. The church 
when it's become dominant and aggressive, needs uh, state support because then it has the the strong arm to force, in a very real way, people to orthodoxy. Uh, you know, the Roman Catholic Church, in its now in its confessional era, where it's apologised <laughs> for some of the sins yes. of the past, yes. was at pains to point out though that it didn't usually directly persecute. The state did this. Mm. Well, they're half true. The state did it because they had an alliance Mm -hmm. and the church would declare you uh, excommunicate and heretical and dangerous and then hand you over to the state for the appropriate punishment. I don't think that lets the church off, but that's how the dynamic worked. Uh, Let me just read you something. I think this is from um, Wikipedia on uh, how fascism worked with the church. Mm -hmm. It says, the law of Political responsibility of February 1939 turned the church into an extra-legal body of investigation as parishes were granted policing powers equal to those of local government officials. Some officials' jobs required a good behavior statement by a priest. According to historian Julian Casanova, the reports that have survived reveal a clergy that was bitter because of the violent anti-clericalism and unacceptable level of secularization that Spanish society had reached, and the law of 39 made the um, priest investigators of people's ideological and political pasts. So here the church was determining whether you were morally correct for religion and for the state. Uh, that's just one step away from the, the grand inquisitor oh, of, of the Middle Ages. Yes, yes. So the state looks at the church as a way of gaining support from the masses, and the church looks at the state as a way of being able to funnel its desires, its dogma, its uh, doctrine into the world to save souls, or where does that come from? How, how do they think that knocking someone on top of the head because they're being bad is going to save their soul? It's perverted religion. You know, Theologically, we know that, but... Yeah. Administratively, churches and, and all human endeavors tend to <laughs> go yeah, that way because yeah. humans in power like to force their will on others. Let's give another example. Mussolini, who was an editor, yes. <laughs> his favorite editor in, <laughs> in Italy, which uh, I hope doesn't damn all of us that do such things. Uh, <laughs> but he went into politics, became prime minister, and then uh, El Duce, the uh, yes. fascist dictator of Italy. And don't be misled if you go back in history or look at videos of him, his clown-like ways. Uh, there was a method to that madness, and people adored him, and for a significant amount of time, they, they followed him loyally, didn't matter what he did, what foolishness he performed, but most of it was very repressive. Well, Mussolini, early on, sucked up to the Roman Catholic Church, which was quite weak when he was prime minister. It had been uh, disenfranchised, it didn't have legal rights, didn't have sovereign property. They were rather powerless before the law. And Mussolini signed the Lateran Treaty in 1929 with uh, Rome, which gave them their 108.7 acre sovereign state. Mm -hmm. It gave them back, it was called a concordat also, and he gave them rights. And I think I said it on this program before, but it just blew my mind when I read the Lateran Treaty recently. And I doubt very many people read such things anymore. But it said that the cardinals were to be accorded the rights of the blood, treated as princes of the blood. So they were made aristocracy, a very privileged elite. But for the fact that this represents a massive church movement, obviously, I think a billion nearly near enough Roman Catholics, 
But to me, it's on the same level as in Australia. A few uh, cattle owners with some millions of acres of desert with a few thousand cattle roaming on it, they've declared themselves sovereign states. And the country, uh, you know, just sort of yawns and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> ignores it. <laughs> no invasions either way. But what it means is they don't get fire truck service or ambulance service. Right, right. <laughs> they just isolate it. Well, you know, here, 100 and some acres... It's a sovereign state. It's nonsense. They they don't even have a viable economy other than, uh, you know, the modern day continuation of the sale of indulgences. Certainly a lot in the bank, but nothing really going on. It's, it's not a functioning state, but it's it's a church power center. Well, Mussolini set that up, and I hazard to say that in his developing phase, he wouldn't have been taken nearly as seriously, been as fearsome to his enemies if he hadn't been backed by the church. It had international respectability. It had the loyalty of many millions of his own uh, citizenry, and it helped the control mechanism. We have to really grab on to a statement that you made. You said that uh, what was happening when a religious power tries to take on civil power it tries to control the state, that is considered a distortion of religion. If we as citizens see a religion trying to do that, or a religious body trying to do that, we should identify that immediately as a distortion of religion. Am I right? Absolutely. Okay. Let's look at going further back. Rome, the rot in Christianity, arguably happened when the Emperor Constantine, following uh, some emperors who actually persecuted Christianity, which was not good, yeah. but he came along benignly and embraced this growing religion, First of all, gave an edict of tolerance, and, and by the time he died, Christianity was the most favored religion in, in the empire. And it wasn't too long until the growing power of the church and the emerging Pope of Rome was, was, was a political power to rival the empire itself. And when the empire collapsed, we were left with a, an imperial church. Yes. And Protestants should remember and know the Protestantism came as a reaction from the abusive ways of this political uh, religious power. One more. Yeah. Hitler that gets everybody oh, bothered. Yes. You know, Hitler was, was a man of a distorted personal uh, psyche that he projected on a whole people. But part of his coming to power uh, was very calculated. He signed a concordat with Rome in 1933, and Rome became a complicit in his global agenda. Mm. And I think they did it perhaps out of self-preservation because he was starting to persecute religious entities until yes. that point. Yes. But they did it because he was now going to attack godless communism. He was going to trim down their religious arch rival, the Eastern Orthodox Church in Russia and in uh, the Balkans, and in particular in the Balkans in Croatia. You know, it's, it's a part of the damnable story of the most modern, horrific tragedy that the world can remember. And the backdrop to it was an alliance between church and state. And ironically, in all these cases, there was the trumpeting that this was religious freedom, right. that this was the grand moment for religion, that you were now free to do whatever. And ironically, Constantine then started persecuting and marginalizing those that differed from the central orthodoxy. Hitler persecuted many Catholics mm -hmm. who differed from their papal edicts and refused to serve in the army and so on. They were regularly imprisoned and killed, while the church was saying, obey the Fuhrer, do what the Fuhrer wants. And even some churches, and regrettably even my own, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, 
were very uh, docile yes. under Nazism, yes. you know, giving the salute, the swastika up front in the church. This mm. was a corrupt relationship between church and state. Well, listener, we have just heard a warning to beat all warnings. If you are part of a religion that is trying to to enforce its beliefs to the general public through legislation, through the government, through acts of whatever is in charge of your country's government. If you see that happening, you have to realize there is a distortion of religion going on, and that is not something we should be involved with. Am I right in saying that, Lincoln? I think this unprecedented alliance at the moment is rather reflective of some of these dynamics of the past, because we are in a very illiberal moment Uh, not a democratic moment, much talk of religious liberty, and yet seldom has it been so marginalized. It's only religious liberty for the favored few. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Lincoln Steed, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>